darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Come on! Fear's gotta go. 
got 35 seconds. thankful for your love yeah. you'll never leave me never let me down yeah. all right I was excited um, 35 seconds earlier and it sounds like some of the kids out there are excited so let's stand let's worship the Lord on this happy Halloween
providence flow. I know I'm built to be emptied again. The seed I've received, I will sow. Amen. Truth, 
we just pray right now that wherever we are in our lives, whatever we're dealing with, that God, it just seems like we just need a renewal of strength. And so God, fill us to overflowing in whatever you have for us here today. We thank you for who you are. And God, may we do an un-Halloween here today in our own lives. Let me, may in this room, we pull off whatever mask we're putting on just to get going through life, that we just pull it off and we'll just say, here I am. And God, that you will, you're not afraid of it. Um, and we know that you're just going to come and just bring to us exactly what what we need to hear, not what we want, but what we need to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. They know where you live. They feed on your flaws. They drain your time. And they never leave you alone. I need to run a few errands. Can you watch my dog? Again? All right. How many are ready for those to come to your house tonight? Anybody? Okay. Okay, good. Um, all right. Happy Halloween. You guys don't look bad today. You don't have the same uh, deal on your end, but anyway. All right, we are, um, we're going to go right now to our time of prayer and um, just lift um, some people up in front of the Lord. We want to continue to lift uh, Lou in prayers, Lou show. He has, um, Lou has uh, had some health things over the years, and, and he's just a great guy, and so we want to continue to lift him up. Phyllis asked for prayers for Tommy Briggs, who's having surgery um, recovery, and so we want to ask for prayers for 
for them. Uh, Holly Kip asked for an unspoken prayer for a friend's health. Wes and Emily asked for prayers uh, for the family of Susan Smith, um, Wes's cousin, on her passing. We had prayed for her, I believe, last week and uh, last subsequent weeks, and um, especially for her husband, Jerry, and all the family. We also want to lift up um, the fam- uh, Dave Culver's family. Um, and you know Dave, his mother, uh, Nancy, was put on hospice and passed away uh, very quickly. And so um, be with the family as gonna, they will be um, celebrating her life, but also um, just, the, just the mix of, of losing someone in, in um, all those different ways. Continue to pray for many people. I know that uh, this week, um, the family of Rachel Miller, I believe, um, Rachel passed away from COVID, and she was 42 years old. So, um, you know, um, so continue to keep her and her husband, Michael, in your prayers and all those other kind of things. All right. Let's go to Lord in prayer. God, we just come to you today. We, we want to lift up all these prayer requests that we've given today and the ones that are just unspoken for, um, for the family of Susan Smith, um, for unspoken prayers, for Tommy Briggs, uh, for Lou, um, for the Miller family and their loss, for um, just the... Uh, just um, so many others, um, the Culver family, and so many others who are, who are dealing with any kinds of, of grief or any kinds of loss. We ask for those who are um, just, just kind of not unsure of what, um, what life has. God, we want to pray for those who, uh, who are doing uh, things on Halloween. We thank you for the great turnout the other night. Um, with our trunk or treat with um, inside for all other kinds of things, God. We, you just know that in this room and, and in the sound of my voice, there's a lot of people that are just, um, just have stuff um, that's there. And so, Lord, we just pray that you will, um, will just give us what we need here today and, um, and that we won't be like trick-or-treat if we don't like what we get, but that we'll go ahead and we'll just receive what you have for us and recognize that it's good. Just as we sang, you are good. You're good to us. Sometimes, God, we don't like the waiting part. Um, we don't like that at all. But uh, we know that, that um, when, we're, when we're patient and we wait on the Lord and we're still, that, God, you have something for us. So whatever it may be here today, we're going to give you praise and glory and honor in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody says, amen. All right, so I'm just going to touch on um, one, one um, just a couple things. I want to thank Kate and the team for um, the trunk or treat that was in here. It was awesome. We had, some, had, had a really good time. Um, and um, I realized Superman needs a new costume after many years. But anyway, um, so, um, but it was really good, really, really well attended. And it was kind of cool to hear people. I said, I asked several people, how'd you hear? And they said, Facebook. So there is something good about Facebook. Um, but uh, but um, so they, they came, so a big thanks there. Um, next week is our last week for Operation Christmas Child. And so we want to make sure that we, we get those in. Anybody remember the number we're looking for? 300, 300. So again, um, you can do that several different ways. Um, can, can they also give online? Right. So, yeah, so several different means of that. Oh, for the Sunday school. Okay, so several different things. You can build boxes, not a box, boxes, and um, bring, them, uh, bring them in if you want. And we've had them stacked up to the roof uh, before. Um, you could also go ahead and um, you could donate money. That'll be used to buy things. Um, I know the Sunday school. You can also donate items. Next week, they're going to be packing boxes. And then you can build a box online. 
you pay the money and whatever and build the box online. And so it's just many different ways. It's a great, great ministry, a great avenue to connect to people. And I, we always build in that time because we know that somebody will forget uh, next week. Um, so, and that just happens. But we really want you to go ahead and get those in so that we can um, make sure we get those sent off and everything like that. All right. A lot of things are going on. Um, Thanksgiving drive and other things. Let's take a look and see what's going on um, that you can connect to. If you missed anything, you can go to havencc.org, or you can also go ahead and send um, an email to info at havencc.org. I also want to um, lift up this. Uh, it's the fifth you saw about Community Kitchen. Um, so that'll be the fifth if you're willing to help. I think it said 10 to 1.30. Was that um, right? Uh, I think that was in there. So we want to go ahead. You can contact Bill Wiggum. Or, again, if you, need, um, if you need to, you can go ahead and info at havencc.org, and they'll connect you with Bill and everyone as well. All right? Right, Bill? Does that sound good? Okay, so five more meals if you want to help contribute to that. And you guys have always been great uh, with that. We, uh, we appreciate it. Okay, um, up here, uh, your bulletin. Um, your bulletin's there. If you don't uh, want a hard copy, you can go ahead and get a digital one. Keep it forever, and you, you can treasure it with your heart, just like Mary did with all those things that she knew about Jesus. Um, but um, So there, it's up there. If you, don't, if you say, what is that thing? If you say, what is that thing? Go ahead, pull out your camera. Go ahead and just... Push the screen, and then it'll open up, and you'll be good. Not too hard, correct? How many, how many of you like using that digital one a little bit better? Okay, there's a couple of you. How many, how many don't use anything? We're going we're gonna to get you. Jesus is watching. Okay, there we go. All right, so we are in, um, uh, it's actually the fourth complete week, but it's um, week three from when I originally planned. Um, the series called Relationship Vampires. We were supposed to en- end the series Today, but I added, an, um, well, God and I added another one on grief that one week. We kind of added that in, which was very, um, seemed to be, be fitting that week with everything going on. So we are in week four of this. And what does a vampire do? Come on, it's 
It's Halloween. What does a vampire do? Sucks your blood. Right, okay, there we go. You got to give my your best Transylvanian accent when you do that, all right? Um, and so it, it does. It sucks your blood. So what does a relationship vampire do? It sucks, they suck the life out of you. And so many of us know those type of people in our lives. So we've been asking the question, how do we do what God wants us to, to love one another? And there are some people in our lives that are extremely difficult to love. Do you agree? If the person sitting next to you just just like, you know, wink or something, all right? Um, but we want to, you know, one of the things is there are people that just seem to suck the life out of you. Week one, we dealt with what we called controlling or manipulative suckers. Um, those people who are always controlling, manipulating, and doing whatever they need to to try to get that control or manipulation there. Um, then, then we added the, the week 1A, as I called it, and uh, how, do we, how do we love the vampire of, of grief or, or of suffering? How do we embrace grief? Um, and that, you know, de- not dealing, with, dealing with suffering and loss, but not just blocking it out. That grief is a good thing from God that helps us um, get to a place so we don't have that concept or that situation of loss suck the light, life out of us. Last week, we kind of talked about critical suckers. Remember those, the people who are always criticizing you, always picking you apart. How many of you caught yourself this week starting to pick somebody apart and you went, eh, and you stopped? Or, or you might have had somebody else with you that was uh, picking you apart and you went, huh? Yep, I remember the sermon. They're like, what sermon? Um, but uh, so um, next week, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to talk about hypocritical suckers, okay? I've always told people when people say, I don't want to come to church because then I'd be a hypocrite. I say, come on, join the rest of us um, because that's, that's where we are. So we're going to talk about that. But some people are extra um, hypocritical. Like they're the ones who call themselves Christian, but their life shows nothing in it. Um, and they re- how do we love those kind of people? Today is one of my favorite ones. Um, we are going to deal with how do we love the very needy suckers in our life, those who are needy, that whatever you do for them, it's never enough. They always need more, and so how do we, how do we love somebody who always needs more and more and more? So one of the things is that when you think, if you're like me, when you think of someone who is in need, uh, immediately my mind goes to someone who may need something financially or may need some of the staples in life, just the basic necessities in life. And, um, and so that's what I kind of think of at, at time and time again. So people who are without work or working poor, um, don't have insurance or struggle to, to make ends meet. Um, but today I, I really want to expand that because there is that need and we are to do to the least of these. And, and this has been a great church for that time and time again. As you see, many of the things that we, we do up there meet those needs for people. Um, but there are some people that are just struggling to meet, meet ends and, um, and to make ends. So, so I think that's not where I want to focus. I really want to focus and expand beyond that and think about those who are really the ones that suck the life out of you or not the ones who, who need a, a help up or, or need some of the basics of life. It's the ones who are the emotional needy. Am I right? You know, the ones who are just emotional needy and you could be having a good day and you see them and you're like, oh my gosh, there goes my, my energy, my joy and everything. They just pull it away from you. So I want to get to that. But before I do, because it's Halloween, because we're doing this um, relationship vampire series, I wanted to give you some vampire jokes. Okay. Um, so, and, and, and it's going to be one-liners and I, I didn't write them, so don't hate me that much. So let me ask you a question. What is Dracula's favorite coffee order? Decoffinated. Get it? 
Okay, yeah, yeah, I, and I definitely want you to do it. If you like it, laugh. If you don't, groan. I love it, okay? I want you to do it. Okay, so what do you get when you cross a vampire with sheep? Dracula. I didn't even get anything out of there, okay? Um, why did Dracula divorce his wife after she took a blood test? She wasn't his type. There you go, I got one, all right. Why does Dracula not have friends? Because he's such a pain in the neck. Okay, they're getting a little better, I guess. Um, um, uh, why did Dracula take cold medicine? Because he was coughing too much. All right, you don't like the coughing ones. Okay, note to self. Why did Dracula turn over a new leaf? He wanted to be revamped. Uh, here you go. You know I have to tell you this one. Why did Superman fail to defeat Dracula? He could not go to the crypt tonight. Oh. All right, so anyway. All right. Um, what is, oh, there we go. I got, I got applause. All right. Um, what is Dracula's favorite fruit? Nectarines. How does Dracula get his torch to turn on? With batteries. You guys really don't like those puns. I, I um, how, did, how did the vampire feel when he was partying at the club? He had a bloody good time. What type of vampires are always grumpy? The ones with B-negative blood type. <laughs> Got to think about that one. Not handing them all to you. Not all here, right? Um, what do you get when you cross a vampire with a snowman? Frostbite. <laughs> Where do vampires deposit all their money? The blood bank. The blood bank. There we go. And last but not least, why... Is Dracula not invited to parties because he sucks the life right out of them? And that leads us right into our series. Do you like those? No, you didn't. All right, it's all good. Um, okay, so there are your vampire jokes, and you can tell them later or not. All right. Um, so when we talk about this, about needy people, and since, since you know, we talk about this whole series about people who suck the life out of us by, by what they do, and we're dealing with emotional needy people. How many of you have someone in your life and um, that everything is drama. Everything is drama. Anybody? Okay, you have somebody in your life. Everyone, everything is drama. Uh, how many have people in your life that nothing is ever their fault? Okay. Um, yeah, anybody have kids? <laughs> Raise them high. All right. Uh, how many believe that the world is constant? have somebody in their life that the world is constantly against them? Everything is against them. That you will talk to them on the phone and everything is fine. And 30 seconds later they will uh, call you back and say, is everything okay? Are we good? I mean, you know, I didn't know we kind of, that goodbye was just kind of like a click, and I, I am not sure. Are you, are, did I do something? Anybody? Okay. Um, so we have some of them. Yeah, we got some of those, definitely. All right. So, or, or, or here, what about the ones who leave you like a novel in text messages? Anybody have those where you just scroll and you, you skim? You know, you go to you want the Cliff Notes version of uh, of those, but that might happen. So, uh, again, how many would you say that in each of those things I gave you, that at least you, in one of those areas you were thinking of a name? Anybody thinking of a name? Okay, so you may have that. Um, 
So, so let me see. Raise, raise your hand if, you, if anybody thought of, one, of a name. Okay, don't point if they're here. Please don't, because it'll make the rest of this very, very difficult. But so the question is, how do we love people who are overly needy? How do we do that? Because a lot of these people are people we genuinely care about. We genuinely love and care about them, but they always need a little more. And they need a little more than we're able to give. We're able to give. You know, it's, it's a, I'm going to give you a fact today. It's actually a spiritual principle. Um, I, I couldn't find this, uh, the, the full scriptural verse, but in every group, in every family, in every grade, in every class, in every job, every team, there is always one overly needy, crazy person. Do you agree? There, there is. If you don't shake your head, guess what? Um, so, but the Bible always says, wherever two or three are gathered, there's at least one of them that's crazy. And I, I think... It's in first hesitations, okay? Um, somebody's going, where is that? Uh, but, but it just seems to happen. You know, when you see them, like I said, you know that the conversation is not going to be, hey, how you doing? But it is going to take a lot. And it's going to take a lot of your energy that you're going to have. Um, you'll know that they will kind of also dominate the conversation. And the, you could have had a, the worst experience ever, and they will tell you about their hangnail. And, that's the, and, and it's the end of the world, and you, you end up with that. Um, and often, if they tell you the story, it's one you've heard at least 10 times. And it's the same over and over and over again. Gosh, you guys are getting a lot of names. I can tell on your faces by, by seeing this. Um, the, the truth is, and here's the truth, that we, we have to be able to minister to them in a healthy way, particularly because it seems like people are even more emotionally needy than ever before. The problem is, though, if we don't help them in the right way, we can actually end up hurting them more. And if we're not careful, we will hurt ourselves in the process of all this. My, my scenario in life in many of these cases goes like this. I want to help. Somebody comes up to me. I want to help. So I do something. Okay, I do something. What I do isn't enough or it isn't right. So I do more. Anybody following me here? Um, their response in action or word is, it's just not enough. So at sometimes, I'm, I'm just a slow learner, I do more. And if it's still not enough, and if it's still not right, eventually, I will pull back. Or, um, and then what will happen is, they'll resent me, and then I feel bad or guilty because I I, I wasn't enough or I didn't do enough and I feel like a failure. Anybody here? Anybody in that boat with me? Uh, in the end, they aren't any better off and neither am I in many of these cases. The reason is that, I that some of this happens is even though I wanted to help, I didn't do it the right way. And so that's what I want to share with you today. I want to talk about how do we help people in a way that is truly helpful. And so to start with, I want to go through, because we talked about different types of needy, I want to talk about two definitions. There's a lot of people who are in need and need, need certain things. And the first topic we're going to talk about is relief. Everybody say relief. Relief. What is relief? Relief is immediate and temporary assistance. Immediate and temporary assistance. So if, we, if somebody faces a tragedy, an unexpected loss, they need relief. They need it um, somehow. And, and honestly, I will tell you, our country is very good at this. 
For the most part, we are very good. When there are floods, when there are all situations, we're good at coming together and doing that. And, and churches, most churches tend to be good. Even in this church, I remember when a former member from our church who had moved to, Flo- uh, to Texas, excuse me, was in the hurricanes and they have flooding in their area. Their house was secure, but others weren't. And this church went and donated money to help them down there in that, in that case. Um, when this, in this uh, county, when uh, there was no um, addiction halfway house or a recovery house to be in, people from this church, somebody sitting in, this, in the service said, hey, I got a house. It became the first um, recovery uh, house in Cecil County, Monarch House. And um, God rest his soul, he's in glory now, but uh, Phil Meekins is, uh, was very, very strategic in that. And we came together as the body of Christ to meet that. Um, we've done Narcan trainings, one of the first ones in the county, in this building right here. Um, we've helped people who, who cannot pay bills and who, um, who need help with financial assistance and all kinds of things. Um, we've, you've been, we've been there for people in deaths and births and celebrations, whether it be food or whether it be some other kind of, kind of help that people have need. We basically ambush people with the love of Christ in this church, and that's a good thing. And in our, in even people who aren't Christian in the United States, there tends to be a majority of people who say, if there's a need, we want to meet it and we want to give. And that's why it's been really good over the years when we're collecting for Thanksgiving stuff that often has stood outside of Walmart and people who could care less about God come out and put something in because they care about people who are in need. And that is an amazing thing. So we're really good at relief. There's a need, we meet it. There's a need, we meet it. And that's what happens in a, many, in a, in a way. But it's, it's a temporary assistance to a tragedy. The second term is something called restoration. And, and relief where it's immediate and we can do something to take care of it. Restoration means working with people, here we go, working with people to restore them to their God-given potential. It isn't just doing something for them. It's working with them to restore what God has for them in their life and to realize their God-given potential. And honestly, our country is not very good at this at all. We will throw money, we will, we will donate things, we will do things for people who are in need, I remember when I went, um, you remember 9-11, um, when, when the guy said, I j- they said, what do you need? And he said, I just want to go home and get a, a dry pair of socks. Anybody remember that? And they had millions and millions of people donating socks. They didn't need them. He just needed them at that moment. So they didn't know what to do with these socks. Um, that, we're good at that. But when we have to go ahead and we, when something's not temporary or immediate, when something is ongoing and it takes commitment and effort, um, we're not that good at it. So why? Because it takes time and effort. And if there's anything that I think Americans love more than anything is, is their own space and their own personal time. And that's what they want. You, you, they will give you money, but do not take my time. And because so, sometimes restoration sometimes takes months maybe even years of working with someone and being with someone. Basically what it does, it takes a relationship. And, some, and many people who really know how this works have, have, wor- have been with someone who has been in recovery. Like you may know somebody in recovery or somebody who is in grief or somebody who is in some kind of thing in life. It is a, a journey and a process and it's based in relationship, not something immediate that you, you throw at it. Somebody who is uh, addicted you don't, and, and, reco- and wants to recover, and in the process of recovery, you don't go, oh, okay, here, there you go, there's some money, enjoy. 
Most of us would say, now, nah, somebody's struggling with, it, with addiction, we don't want to give them money. Oh, but I'll go buy you food. So what I'm saying is we're very good about getting problems out of our way, but we're not so good about journeying with people for restoration, for them to really be who God has called them to be. So what I want to do with our remainder time today is I want to go ahead and I want to look at three big thoughts. Um, I think they're big, but three thoughts on how we can help um, love others without hurting them and, and, and not hurting ourselves and be there for the needy. And then I'm going to give you, in those three, I'm going to give you four prayers of a restorer that we need to have. Okay, everybody good? That's what I got. I don't have any candy, so um, we'll go from here. But, okay, the, uh, and, and the first thought that we're going to deal with, if you're taking notes, and I pray that this will sink into your spirit, the first thing that we're going to deal with is I want to give, but I want to do it strategically. I want to give strategically. I want to give strategically. Because most of the time, we don't give strategically. Most of the time, we give emotionally. We give emotionally. We see a need. We care. And we just react and do the easiest thing possible. It's convenient, and we want to go ahead and do it. Doesn't mean it's bad. Everybody hear me. Does not mean it's bad. It just means it's a way that we want to give, and we want to refocus that and give strategically. Uh, one of the reasons why I think that we go ahead and do that is, yes, because we want to meet a need, but also it makes us feel good. When we help someone, it makes us feel good. So emotionally, we, we engage with someone's need, and what does that do to us? It relieves our own guilt. You know, have you, have you ever been to a place and you saw, like, you complained about what you had and what you didn't have, and then you see somebody who doesn't have even the basics, and you feel bad about it, and you, you want to do something. And that, that plays on our emotions. So we want to strategically, so, um, strategically give so, in, um, so that we, we do a couple things. Number one, what we do here is that instead of focusing on what they want or what gives us relief from guilt, because that's two of the main reasons we give emotionally, we want to ask, what do they really need? This is the difference between relief and restoration. What do they really need? What will genuine, genuinely help? And so when we're looking at this, it is not just in the moment that we, we help, but what, after we give prayerfully and strategically, can help this and help their situation? This is really um, displayed very good, uh, it's excellently, honestly, by Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. Uh, by Peter and John, in a, it's a brilliant way that they do it. And it shows us the difference between, um, between these two, two ways, relief and restoration. So what we know is this. We know that Peter and John, um, they're, they're walking up to the, to, to, a temple, to the temple, to a temple gate. There was a man there who, um, who couldn't walk. He was unable to walk. And every day some friends and family members would carry him down to the gate so he could beg. And every time I think of this, I think of my father who went to, um, to India back in 1981. And he had this picture of this beggar whose um, legs were just so malformed. And the story was that because the family could make no money, when he was born, they broke his legs and, and let them heal wrongly so he could not walk, but he could make a living for the family. Okay, so that... that that's a true story that, uh, that's there. I know Jill's picturing it in her head um, right now, the man who was there. And so as they're going down, and we're going to look at this, as they're going down 
He's sitting there begging, and he's asking. So here's what we see. We see right here. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg. So here we go. We know he's being carried by friends, family, or whoever else. So, um, So here we go. Let's continue a little bit more. Expecting to get something from them. Uh, is why he, why he was there when they're walking in. And, and so he, he called out. He called out to them. It says um, when they were about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter then looked straight at him as John did. And he said, and so he's expecting to get something. Peter says, look at me. All right, so they're going up to the temple. Now here's one of the things I think is cool about this. Let me let you know, that man was crippled from how long? Where was he sitting? At the gate, at the temple. Um, he, how long had he been there? Yeah, what was the regularity? Every day. What you need to realize is Jesus walked by this man. Everybody got that? That just tells you that sometimes Jesus wants to use us to do something pretty amazing. Don't just leave that. So put that, put that in the back here. So he saw Peter and John about to enter, and he asked them for money. Peter looks at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. And um, so the man, so that tells you. It tells you also about the man. Here he is. He's, going, he's not even looking at them. There's two things that are going. Either he is so down and so exhausted in this life of begging that he just has nothing to himself, or it's just become old hat. Money, 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 money. Right. So that's that might be where he is. So afterwards, he was expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have. I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And if anybody remembers this old song, he went walking and leaping and praising God. Everybody remembers walking and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Right? Anybody remember? Okay. Um, so that's what he did. He, he jumped up. And, but look what happened. You know, this is pretty cruel if you really don't have something really good to give. He's asking for money, and you say, I don't have that, but get on up. A guy who's been crippled from birth, he says, get up. That is evil, unless you have something better than what he's asking for. And he did. And so what does he do? He didn't just make him get up himself. Look what he says. It says he, going back, there we go. He helped him up. He extended his right hand and helped him up, and instantly... Yeah, there you go. Um, and instantly the man's feet, there we go, next one, and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and went walking and leaping. And they went with him in the temple courts, and he was walking, jumping, and praising God. Okay, so what happened here? What happened here? Um, he did what those who are really needy learn how to do. If you ask long enough, consistently and persistently, eventually there's someone who will emotionally respond and they will, number one, give you what you want. Even if what you're asking for is not what you truly need, people will give you what you want. People pass by him. Peter and John were not the only people there. It was the time of prayer. It was probably one of the busiest times during the day. And at that time, they are walking up, and everybody else is doing what? There you go. Here's some change. Here you go. Boom. Bing, bing, bing. There, you go. there you go. There you go. There you go. And so this guy learned that every day he had, 
he was needy and he would rely on others. They would carry him to the gate where he would sit. He'd say, give me what I want. Someone would come along. They would feel guilty or emotional or connect. And they would do exactly what was easy and give him money. And that would help relieve their guilt. It would meet his need, what he wanted, and they'd move on. But it still was not what the guy really needed. So what do we do? We kind of do often what's easy. What helps us feel better. Think about it. What did the guy want? What do you want? Money. What would have been easy to give him? Money. Toss him some loose change, you know, dig down in the pocket. Or anybody ever done this? Like you put money in your pocket and not your wallet, and you're like, oh, that's all I got, you know, and that kind of thing. But we, we give something to, to, to do that, to give it to him. I'm not saying it's bad, but often we, we look at this and our focus is to feel maybe... To, to meet the need and to dismiss it from out in front of us, but also to make us feel good, to say, wow, you know, I, I did my good deed for the day. I, I just gave him what he wanted, and I met his need, and that felt good emotionally. Peter and John did not respond emotionally, but they were led, as we were talking about last week, led by the Holy Spirit. Again, they had passed by him with Jesus time and time again. It was not new to him, to them, this guy. But at this point, the Holy Spirit says something different. They did not, they, the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 don't give him what he wants. Give him what he truly needs. What's the miracle? The miracle is instead of giving him a hand out, they gave him a hand up. They stuck his hand out and helped him up to a different place in life. Hands up take more time, may take more faith, may take more effort, may take more prayer, and they usually take a lot more sacrifice, particularly in the time aspect in, in our lives. You know, you can give what you're asking for, or you can give what God wants them to have, which is far more than we ever dreamed of. Now, there's often some problems or issues out here. Often a needy person's going to do um, when, we, when they're trying to get need. If you don't give them what they need, Often overly, overly needy people will go, if you really loved me and you really cared, you would give me. Anybody? I mean, you would give me more attention. If you really love me, you give me more attention. Or if you really love me, you give me more time. Or, you know, I know I've asked before, but if you really love me, you give me more, more money. You know, it's been hard. I'm not saying, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying anything, any of those things are bad at all. But we need wisdom and real love to say, you know what? I'm not just giving you what you want, but I'm going to take time with, with the Lord and, and just really understand what he, he wants me to help give you that you really, really need, that you may not even think about. So we're going to give strategically. And an overly needy person is going to respond, you know, I really need that $400 for my car payment. You know, well, I need that, but they just bought an Apple Watch and have a brand new pair of Yeezys. You know what I mean? Shoes, just go with it. Um, all right. Um, the new apartment they can't afford, um, and they're, they're not working because they've got a real tough day of playing Fortnite and Call of Duty online all day. You're with me i got to tell you, there's an epidemic that is hitting the United States 
and it's hitting younger men. And there are so many young men who contributed to birth that aren't fathers. They would much rather be engaged in a video game or in their own lives rather than get off the rear and go out. They think what they need is a better connection, a better headset, a faster controller. What they really need to do is get their rear end up out of the chair, get outside, make a living, and be a father to their kids because we're losing generations. And, and fathers who are in name but not present. And I just see it all the time. And, and I know, I, I know uh, Elizabeth, you've seen it too, the numbers of young single mothers who are working 40 hours a week, going to school, and doing anything they can while raising their kids. It is epidemic. And the church needs to be involved and help meet those needs. But we don't just need to always throw money at it. We also need to get to a point where we have a relationship with them and help build them up and, then, and, and help them get to the places that they need to. You know, what, you know what the difference is? Sometimes we may need to take our time and watch a kid one night so that they can go to school. Um, sometimes we may need to form something where we can get to the, to the young men in this world and get them away from that. You know, it's just, it's just something that I see time and time again in our lives. So many of us know these people, and, and, and we have this time and time again. And there are so many times that we, we just may need to help out and help somebody get connected. One of the things that I, that I love, you guys have heard um, Mike Brandon, he spoke a couple weeks ago, and um, Mike uh, has been involved with the Paris Foundation. One of the things that I talked to him a couple years ago that I really love is a ministry um, that he, it's, it's, I say ministry, but that's churchy, but it's just something that he wants to do for, for people who have um, paid their duty uh, in, in jail that have come out, and he wants to help them get connected because the, the numbers of recidivism of people going back into prison and then getting out and going back into prison constantly is, is astronomical. So he's saying, I am going to, he didn't have to do it. I am going to take time in my 60s when I have been a retired cop and a retired pastor and I work for the Paris Foundation and all that stuff and I want to go ahead and connect with people so that these, young, these people don't, have the same situation and they can get not what they want because what they want is they want a place to live they want this they want the car they want all the other stuff they want a new phone they want all that stuff that's good but what they need is to have someone take out their hand and get their ankles and feet strong you with me with me okay all right just making sure um so number one is god help me uh our prayer our first prayer is god help me give people what they truly need not just what they want so we got to get this right. Number two, we serve wisely. We serve wisely. Look at the way that Jesus cared for people. What did he do? He served selflessly. He was authentic in his love. He gave generously. He taught faithfully. He listened compassionately. Um, and then he would do what? After he did all that, and he'd heal and do all the stuff, he would step aside off by himself to reconnect to God. Time and time again. Why did he do that? Because Jesus needed to recharge spiritually. 
When you are constantly helping, when you are constantly giving, when you are constantly meeting needs, whether it's physical or whether you're just being present to talk to people, if you do not retreat to yourself for you and God, you will, you will burn out. You will completely burn out. And we see this over and over again that Jesus did this. In Mark's gospel, chapter 1, here's what we see. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus had to get up and do without, while everybody else was sleeping, in order for him to get charged up for what was going to take the toll on his day, he had to get up early, set the alarm, and get up and walk out. When it's dark, that means the rooster wasn't going, it wouldn't happen. He forced himself to get up so that he could spend time with God. He he got up while it was still dark. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He got quiet. Any, anybody, anybody ever have a busy house? What are, what are the times that are like the most peaceful? Before they get up and when everybody's in bed. And yeah, and we just, sometimes just when you have a busy house, it's awesome, but sometimes you're just like, ah. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and so Jesus had to get away in order to recharge himself. Now here, look, look at what happened. Um, it was just him and God. He got out there. As soon as the light came up, what happened? Simon and his companions went looking for him. Simon and his companions went looking for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, what? Everyone is looking for you. How many have ever felt that in your life? How many moms? that you just need to go to the bedroom and lock the door and just like, oh, quiet. And then all of a sudden you hear the, mommy, mom, dad, mom. And then you see the little fingers under the door. You know what I mean? Does this ring a bell with anybody? You, or you have you blocked it out so you don't go into that, oh, you know what I mean? But uh, so many of us feel like everybody is looking for us. And when everybody is looking for us, then we can't find ourselves if we don't spend time with God and retreat and do that. Um, like, for instance, what is the, how many have been on an airplane? Raise your hand if you've been on an airplane. Um, you know, you probably shut it out, but when you're on an airplane, they go through that whole spiel, and they talk about if the airplane loses altitude, you know, which you're like, mm. and did you love a water landing? I mean, I only know Sully who did it. I hope Sully's the, the pilot during a water landing. But... Um, that's a crash, in case you don't know. Um, nobody says, eh, forget the runway. Let's try a water landing. Um, sorry, um, ADHD. Um, okay, um, but on that, what do they tell you? They said, if it does, then what's going to drop from the ceilings? A mask. And if you're with small children, what do they tell you to do? Put your mask on first and then decide which one you want last. All right? Why do you put your mask on first? Because if you aren't getting the air that you need, you are no good to any of us. In our lives, many of us are running, 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 and we're no good to anybody, not even ourselves. And we want to give and we want to give, but we can't because we're not getting any oxygen, anything from, from the Spirit of God. And that's kind of um, an illustration. Another one in the Bible is really good. It's called the Good Samaritan. Anybody remember that? Samaritan Jews didn't like each other. There's this Jewish guy. He's on the side of the road. All these other Jewish people say, eh, I don't want to deal with him. He got beat up. He's left there. Long comes this Samaritan. Here he is. He comes over there. And this, it's fascinating because the Samaritan shouldn't be helping the Jewish guy anyway. Um, 
It's kind of like if, um, if uh, a Republican and a Democrat were there now, you know what I mean, in this world. Um, if one was wearing an elephant and laying on the road and the donkey or vice versa, they'd walk by him. Um, but, you know, but all the Republicans went by the Republican, all the Democrats went by him, and you get it. Okay, here we go. All right, so the Samaritan takes this person. He picks him up. He takes him to a hotel. He bandages him up, pours some oil in the wound. Um, he puts the injured guy on his own donkey, and he walks, travels across town, gets him a nice hotel room. And then he says to the, to the person at the hotel, he said, take care of this guy. Here's some money, and I'll pay you more if there's anything else when I come back. Then what does he do? He says, I'll come back later and help in any way that I can. All right, so I started thinking about this. Where did he go, and why did he leave? Did he abandon him? Now, I think the answer, and I don't know because Jesus doesn't fully tell us, but I think the answer is we can assume a couple things. He either went back home to his parents, his, fa- his wife and kids or whatever, and said, hey, you never guess what happened. I'm going to get some stuff together, and then I'm going to go back, and he did that. Or he went back to work. Because when you work, you get paid, and when you get paid, you can pay somebody else's hotel bill when they're in need. Understand what I mean? He didn't just have money full for, oh, you're a Samaritan, his money, oh, there he goes. That's not what he did. He had to do some things in life. He went back and did what he needed to do to keep his own health moving in a healthy direction and his own life moving in a healthy direction so he would be prepared to help anybody else that was along his way. So what's our, our second prayer? God, help me to realize I can't say yes often if I don't say no occasionally. I don't like, I've never liked saying no. I, I always like a challenge, and I always like to keep doing something. But you will always want to be able to pour out of a full cup. Because once your cup is empty, you have absolutely nothing to give. So we give strategically, we give wisely. Here we go, number three. We're going to trust completely. Everybody say trust completely. Not everybody did it, but we'll forgive you. It's Halloween, all right? Um, so God, what we want to do, we want to, we're going to do what we know, and that's to have you lead us. And then we're going to trust you with the results. I think sometimes really, really good, okay, God, you've led us into this, and then when we're there, we're like, this isn't going the way it should. And we want to grab hold of the reins, and we want to make it go to where we want it to go. But when we trust God completely, we have to let go of those reins at times. You know, it's, insult, it's actually insulting, and it's dangerous for me to ever think that I am somebody's answer. And I like to be somebody's answer. I do. I, I, re- I really do. I like when somebody has, for my own need, for my own insecurities, I like when somebody has a need and I can slide in and I can do something. I like doing it for them. I feel good about myself because I've helped them. Okay, it's not like, hey, look at what I've done. I do know some people who will help people and then decide to, guess what I did? And I'm like, mm, yeah, you built your own ego up. You know, you know what I mean? Um, but for me, it's always been, I love helping people because it makes me feel good about me and my insecurities. But we need to recognize it is insulting and it is dangerous to think that we are the source of somebody else's need. We're not somebody's answer. Jesus is. We're just the delivery system. He's the power. So if you think God, this is something that just really hit me this week. If you think God needs you to fix any, everyone else, 
your God is too small. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something here today. Ready? God does not need you. God does not need me. God doesn't need anybody or anything in this entire world. But out of his love, he chooses us to be part of his plan to bring good news to the poor and healing to those who are, are sick and to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. If you and I think we're necessary in every way, in every situation, then I think what we're often doing is, and it's not intentional, but a lot of times I'm like, oh, no, i got to do this for God, i got to do this for God, it's a good intention. But sometimes I'm short-circuiting a process that God is already doing in someone's life. Because often what I've learned, if you keep rescuing someone, when, when there's natural consequences for this, we, te- we don't teach them the biblical principle of you reap what you sow. How often do you think we might interfere with God's plan and something God's doing in the natural? In Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul said it this way, and he's teaching about our actions and the spiritual consequences. My, my kids are always tired of me. I say, hey, there are choices and there are consequences. Your choices always bring some kind of consequence. If you choose, uh, if you choose not to do schoolwork, then the consequence is? If you choose not, that you don't feel like going to your job for a couple of days, chances are you're not going to have it longer and you won't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? Um, so there are, if you decide to ride down 95 at 400 miles an hour, there's a consequence to that. And so every action, there is, uh, there's choices and consequences. And Paul says it this way. He says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, a man gets back what they plant. We get what we plant. So whoever sows to please their flesh, from flesh will reap destruction. And, and, and it says, um, whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. This is basically the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, that the good, the good news part of it is, if we sow to please the Spirit of God... From the Spirit, we get growth in that area. If we sow things in this world, we might get our rewards in this world, and we might get those things, but that's where it ends. So if that's what we're spending our time doing, and if you look around the world, most people are, then enjoy it here because after you die, you're not taking a dime of it with you. And so, or and you're not taking anything with you. I mean, I've heard stories, I've heard some demented stories about people who love their cars and they were buried in their cars. You know what you have? You end up having a rusty coffin. That's what you have, eventually, that is going to um, break down. This is, what we need to do is we need to do what's right. We need to help prayerfully and then trust the consequences to God. It is the principle throughout Scripture that our consequences lead to behavior. Um, The parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal son. Short Short Cliff Notes version here. Um, a dad had two sons. The younger son, Dad, I'm tired of you being alive. I wish you were dead so I could have everything you have. He says, and instead of being the dad like me, when I would have said, um, you're going to get something, and it's going to be a size 10 and a half where the sun don't shine. That's where mine would be uh, right there. And I know I, I would have got that from my dad too. But the father in this point says, all right, let me go ahead. I'll divide it all. Take your stuff 
and go. And this, he granted the son's request, and the son went out and broke his father's heart. He dishonored every value that the father had, had instilled in the family, had told him what was important. He lived this wild, crazy, sinful life um, that was just off the charts. And he had a lot of people around him because he had a lot of money. And when people have a lot of money, you have what they call a posse, and they're around. But guess what? When the money ran out and a famine hit, ain't nobody around. So he had to go ahead and he had to pick, he had to get a job as a servant. And this good Jewish boy had to go ahead and stay with pigs. Just to let you know, that's not kosher. And he's there, and he had to eat the pods, just the leftover stuff of the pig slop. And that's what was going on here. But the father, every day, prayed every day. He watched every day. He hoped every day, looking at that horizon. So you know what the father never did? The father never rescued the son. The father never left the house to go find him in another area. The father loved the son enough to allow him to spend some time in the pig pen. And when the son, after all that stuff, you know, he didn't think about the house and coming back when he was life of the party, when it was all here. But eventually, I'm going to tell you another, I gave you a spiritual principle of, of life and the good news. I'm also going to give you a principle of genuine life. Even though it may be good today, you are going to get kicked in the rear by life at some point. And sometimes it keeps on kicking. You feel like life is the rockets on your rear end. Am I lying, anybody? Just love to give you images. Um, and so he said one day, my gosh, this is ridiculous. I could live better as a servant with my dad. And he practiced that whole thing. And as scripture says, he came to his senses. He didn't come to his senses by the father going and saying, hey, come on back, come on back, come on, 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 come on back. No, he would have pulled away from that. He came to his senses by living life in the pig pen for a while. Living life in the pig pen. And the father loved the son enough to let God-given consequences actually play out in his life so that the son would come to a place where he would come to his senses. Rescuing is not always helping. Maybe it's a friend that you're helping all the time. They're always late to work every day, and you are their alarm, and maybe they need to lose their job to find out what it's like to go from that point on and do responsibility. If someone's just parting their brains out all day, morning, noon, and night, and they, lo they lose their scholarship, they may lose their scholarship, then maybe you need to let them lose their scholarship so they get the reality of what that seems. If someone continues to charge up debt going on every vacation, um, buying super expensive clothing, a car they cannot afford, spending, needless, uh, spending needlessly everywhere and all the time, and they can't make the rent payment, then a way to learn is to let them learn what it takes like many Americans who are out on the road. It doesn't mean we, we help them eventually, but sometimes we get involved and we make it easy. I know... I know for me, I have made my kid's life a lot easier than mine was. Anybody with me? It's out of love, but at times, I don't think I help. Sometimes we have to let people reap what they sow, and it may sound cruel, but it's actually, cruel, but it's actually loving. So what is our third prayer? God, help me stay out of your way by not continually rescuing people 
from their consequences. My parents loved me enough to let me deal with consequences. They loved me enough to allow me to have a, here it goes, a 1-6 my first semester at West Virginia. That, that was pretty good, wasn't it? 1-6. Um, that ain't good, you know. Um, and I did better the next semester. I got a 1-9. Rock on. Um, I had a lot of fun outside, but I wasn't a good student. Was I not a good student? No. I had the potential to be a good student, but what I needed was not somebody to hand it to me and tell me, okay, that's fine, you didn't do that. What I needed was to find out I needed to work for something. And sometimes working for something and feeling the pain of being on academic probation helped me out. Helped me out a lot. All right. Um, now, my parents and my grandmother was there. They bought me this thing called, some of you are old and remember this, where there's a will, there's an A. Hey. All I'm saying, there was a will with Jack, and he made Dean's List. Hey, you know, that's all I'm saying. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes when I'm exposed, one of the things I do love, though, is when I'm exposed to different kinds of needs, it kind of opens my eyes to things. I was thinking about this. Um, like, I didn't, I've shared before, when we went to Haiti, I didn't want to go. Um, I always had this fear that when I was going to close my eyes in some revival thing that God was going to call me to be a missionary, and I like stuff like air conditioning and clothing, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I like things like that. And, um, and so when I went to Haiti, I remember some of the first things when we got there later and we were on that plane, and, and I know uh, Laura and some others who had been there um, remember this, and I remember just riding down the road and seeing, thinking that people were out in shops in the night with these little light bulbs, and when I realized that's where they lived, and I remember people started just crying on the bus tears rolling down her face for no reason. Oh, but there was a reason. Because we had heard about need, but we experienced it in a way we never had before. And then you, you immediately go, go to relief. What can we do? I got to do something. I got to do something for these non-well-off people because I am an American and that's what I do. And they don't even have a, a restroom. They have a hole in the ground where you aim. What do we do? But then, the more I was there, I started to see, wow, they've got something I don't. They have a peace and a joy and a contentment that I don't have. With all the stuff I have, they don't have that. They might be in material need and definitely will help there, which this church has been awesome in doing that. But maybe I am in need too. And I am in need of a disconnect in my spirit because of all the stuff that I have that gets in the way. Instead of seeing myself as a super need meter, I realized that to be part of the family of God means that I am in need too. And we just continue to be in need and pointing each other to Jesus. Then I realized that I can't really experience his presence as well on my own as I can with other people. Why? Because a personal relationship with Jesus is good, but I'm convinced a shared relationship with Jesus is so much better. Wherever two or three are gathered, they're not only crazy. In his name, it's just different. You can pray for me from a distance, but there's something about it when you grab my hand. There's something about last week when, when Joanna finally listened to God so she could get some sleep and said, we need to pray for you after church. 
That's more powerful to me. Than, and I love that you're doing it elsewhere, but there. And suddenly we realize we're in mutual need and we are bro- that churches don't become these institutions, but they become mutual broken centers where we can get well together. And it's not just us saying, get up. It's not just throwing something. It's us sticking out our hand and giving someone a hand up, the only hand out. Psalm 70, verse 5, as the worship team comes up. This is what David said. But as for me, I am poor and needy. This is David, King David. He had all the wealth and things that he could in life. But he said, as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, God. You are my help. You are my deliverer. Do not delay. I'm not here to meet their needs. I'm just here to point people to Jesus. And he will meet their needs. The very, very emotionally needy people. I can't fix them. I can't do anything. because You know why? Because I'm needy as well. But guess what? I have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And he is the answer. But Jesus will use me at times to give somebody a hand up. And then I have the blessing to know that he's using me as an instrument. In the same way he may use them as an instrument in my life. To bring a voice of encouragement, a word of hope, a sense of being part of a broader family. What is our fourth prayer here? Our fourth prayer is this, of a restorer. God, help me stay out of your way by not continually rescuing people. This is how you show love and care for overly needy people. And that's how we want people to care for us. Equally broken, equally needy. And that's how we make Jesus known by our love for each other. Because the world, when the world looks on, they're not going to believe that we're followers of Christ and that there's something different to us by our theology. Oh, they have perfect theology. Have you read predestination versus free will? Oh, wow, I love that. I got to tell you, somebody's in need and hurting, they don't care. And honestly, I gotta be honest, most of the time, neither do I. It won't be our style of worship. Oh, they've got that contemporary church. Young people, for you, this is traditional church. Am I right? Because it's been around for like 30, 40 years now. It's only contemporary to us old people where we had to stand in a hymn booklet and sing and everybody and every song ended with amen remember that right now the young people are like what is he talking about he is losing it's not going to be our our style of worship got got some news for you it's not even going to be your political affiliation because God doesn't care I want to be a Republican Christian and I want to be a Democratic Christian God says, why don't you just be a Christian and love one another? No, they will know we are Christ followers by the way we love one another. And right now, many people don't believe we follow Christ because we're taking stupid stuff and not loving each other. And so God, here we are today as your people I am poor and I am needy. Oh, I get it. There are some other people in, the, in life and 
that seem to go through that same pattern every day, 50 billion times, the same story over and over and over and over again. And they always seem to be needy, always seem to need something else. And God, I'm going to be there and I want to be there for whatever is needed in those moments. But God, I need to recognize that we all need a Savior and Jack Cohen is not it. If so, we are all doomed. There's only one answer. I'm not the answer to anybody. I am not somebody's, somebody's fix to their lives. The answer is you. So God, help me not to just try to fix everybody and fix everything in life. A lot of times, God, I, I try to fix things in life because from my standpoint, I'm so broken and I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about helping. It's not a bad place. I want to feel good about taking that away. But, but guess what? You are the only one who has taken these things away. You are the only one that can bring life and bring it to fullness and abundance. So Lord, uh, whatever you're speaking to us today, whatever we are in need of, I realize there are people in the sound of my voice that are in need financially. And God, I pray that this church and, 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 and through, uh, through the people in the sound of my voice that there will be a miraculous need for that. But God, I also know that there are people that are in the sound of my voice that what they need I'm going to tell you right, they don't need, they don't need churchiness. They don't need other stuff. What they need is a personal encounter with you and love, a loving Christian relationship with other brothers and sisters. You never created us for this alone. And so God, right now there's someone who says, I have had this church stuff all my life. I'm disgusted by it because it's all just talk and it's all just this. God, I pray right now, number one, for forgiveness for the church. Number two, I pray that, God, you would sort through all that stuff and remove it from somebody's life, that they can see you, to see you clearly. And that they'll see, maybe, maybe you're going to use us and this message today or the songs today as, as a right hand extended like Simon Peter did and, and just helping someone up and say, I, I don't have everything to meet every single one of your needs, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to get you walking again. We're going to get you out of that addiction and get you to the right place. We're going to get you a job to the right place. We're going to help you take care of your kids while you're trying to do better in school. We are going to help and make a difference. Why? Because we love you. Why do you love me? Because he loved me first. And I'm in need. And I need a Savior, and he's it. And he took all my mess, paid for it on the cross, and gave me hope and a new life and gave me a new place to stand. So God, I pray for what you're going to do in your people who are saying, God, here I am. Use me. And we just praise you for all you have in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray that you will go ahead and put your blessing upon your tithe and our offerings. Utilize them to further your kingdom here and around the world. That's all we care about. And God, if anybody needs to pray, that's available here today. Together with someone, not distant, but together. In your name, amen.
everybody, there is no other name. His name is Jesus. Everybody have a great week. And if you're trick-or-treating out there, enjoy and get back to the gym after eating all the candy. God bless. Next week, hypocrites. See you.